We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to another episode of the College to Kenton podcast. It's been a bit here uh, for myself and my co-host, Stefan Lico. Uh, it took a little bit of a summer hiatus uh, for various life reasons, just uh, doing a whole lot, uh, whether we're out of town, just dealing with a whole bunch of things. I uh, decided to, you know, take some time uh, and, uh, you know, come back fresh, ready to go, talk some college football, talk some NFL, talk all the best playmakers in our favorite sport. That is football <laughs> uh but yeah in case you are new to the show checking out the feed for the first time essentially the college the canton show is really it's perfect for any and every college or nfl fan it, it's talking about the best players in our favorite game i'm travis may you can find me on twitter at ff underscore travis m and stay fun Laco at stay fun Laco on twitter uh we basically just talk about the journey from high school through college through the nfl uh, the entire journey for all these top prospects and, uh, you know, take a uh, fantasy football spin on things and a real football spin on things as we go uh, to dive back in. going to kick things off on the college side. First, uh, talking through some depth charts, some some Alabama wide receivers, some breakout candidates and some post hype NFL prospects, too. But first, Stefan, good to uh, finally see your face again. I know, man. It's been way too long. It has been way too long. Luckily, we still text and have our Twitter conversations and all that. But yeah, it's been too long since we've gotten to uh, sit down and talk some, some football. I mean, it's been a crazy off season. I mean, we've got packed like just all the realignment stuff in the college side. It's been really quite crazy. What's been your favorite, uh, what's been your favorite preseason? Let's not say off season. What's been your favorite preseason or post post season uh, story so far this, uh, this summer? <laughs> Uh, you know, I've just been soaking up, even though we, I've not been podcasting myself, but I, I listen to any and every college football media and find everything on YouTube. And, you know, it's just funny just to see all the craziness because no one has any idea what the future of this sport looks yeah. like. And so, so for true. me, it's just been all the different ideas as to what the future of college football, what the future of football in general looks like and how it all affects each other. Uh, like all the conference realignment stuff. Like I don't want to spend a bunch of time on here because no. we focus on players, but it's just, 
you know, just just diving into all the could be's and, and, and should be's and would be's and how does this change the very fabric and the culture of the my favorite sport in existence that is college football because uh, it's it's nowhere where it's headed is is going to be nowhere like it has been nothing like it has been before uh, right. so uh, just tracking all the different changes um, all the different I don't know I live in the nitty gritty and the weeds and like diving into the legal implications and um, you know learning more about the grant of rights with the ACC and just like it's it's just <laughs> it's insane all the different variables at play that could completely change the game. Uh, and, and it's really right now, it boils all down to what Notre Dame decides to do. Because <laughs> if they do nothing right now, then uh, we're kind of in limbo uh, until they figure things out. If they do something and decide to join a conference, then there's probably 2,700 other variables that will then follow by year's end. So there's just so much to keep track of and the transfer portal and the rules always changing. Um, that affects everything when it comes to prospecting and, and yep. players in new places. And so, yeah, it's just so much to keep track of, but it's, it's interesting to me. Yeah. And I, I think too, like with the whole transfer rules, I think one of the ways that kind of affects you and I is all of a sudden, I'm not so worried about where a player lands, you know, um, you know, if someone ends up going to really crowded like a freshman, field. like goes to, yeah, exactly. Like, where if, if even if a freshman, like, even if they got top pedigree, but there's like 47 other guys in front of them, okay, that's fine. Yeah, or like, like it just changes the dynamics a little bit. I, I feel like we can go after players that we believe in as opposed to situations that we are hopeful for. And I think that's that's probably a perfect segue into the first topic I, I do want to dive into, and that is. Uh, this was your idea, just this post-hype NFL prospect type things, because you know. I, a player comes into college and they're supposed to be this big deal. Maybe they actually have some success, uh, but then they regress or they, they, some, they get injured and then they resurface somewhere else in, in many cases, or, you know, something changes that makes us believe in them after all the hype is faded. Uh, but we still like the talent. There's certainly several names we could dive into some that did indeed transfer to a new uh, place. Um, some that didn't, but, but we still believe in the talent uh, I think one one guy you and I have talked about in, in, at length this offseason, I know you and I have drafted him as a post-hype sleeper or re-emergence type candidate this year, and that's DJ Uyunglele, quarterback, Clemson, comes into you know college, the, the big deal, like a 6'5", 250-pound monster, just dominating California football at the highest levels, and then looks great in two games at Boston College and Notre Dame. Uh, as a true freshman, uh, you know, coming in for uh, Trevor Lawrence. And then, you know, we, we hype him up. He's like a, the first pick in some Debbie drafts uh, overall. And he is a top 120-ish passer last year. <laughs> Barely, maybe, uh, by many measures. Uh, so needless to say, he let us down, even though I did just actually say it. But he, he was a nightmare. So... Do you believe, Stefan, that, that DJ Uyunglele will bounce back and be a first-round pick anyway because of his talent? I, I do. I mean, last year, you're not wrong. Last year was bad. He threw more interceptions than touchdowns, and that doesn't include the pick six against Georgia. <laughs> you know? um, it was, it, it was really bad. He only threw for nine touchdowns, and he was working with a lot of, of – 
five and four star wide receivers who we'll probably talk about at some point later on in the show, um, all of whom were disappointing. Uh, we've talked about it at length. They were all these super tall wide receivers. They were all kind of the same um, build and it didn't work at all. Now, you and I talked about this last year too. Uh, once Will Shipley got healthy and got more involved in the offense, they did start to score points, but it wasn't because of DJ you and even like his running game he i think he averaged three yards a carry or something but did he did get some um did get some touchdowns on the ground but yeah i do believe in dju i am expecting a bounce back but the best part is uh you can get him for cheap in a startup that you and i are in um uh college to canton startup i think i got him in round 12 uh cade klubnik went uh, round six so you can get him super super late and as of now, he is projected to be the starter. It will take him continuing to struggle for him to lose the job. And I think that new offensive coordinator, a little bit of new life. We've got some new receivers in the room. I think DJU bounces back in a big way. Um, I do think because of the size, because of the pedigree, I think uh, people will overlook last year. And I do think he will be a first round pick in the NFL next season. Now that that is a hot take for yeah. some because man he he just he was such a disappointment like you said he was uh like virtually at the bottom of most relevant statistics mm-hmm. uh last year so uh, if, if we want to you know paint it with much optimism whatsoever uh i was yeah i was gotta be at least a little bit skeptical i was listening to the cover three podcast and they pointed out that like northwestern had more um offensive passing like explosive passing plays than clemson did which is just crazy um, I think it was Northwestern, maybe even a different team, but um, yeah, pretty pretty crazy. But yeah, I do believe in the bounce back. I think last year was a- yeah, yeah. I mean that that one game really that just completely rattled him. Like there was just nothing. Like he was just absolutely uh, nightmarishly terrible. Like it didn't. Like I I just we were all expecting great things, and we thought that that was going to be this huge game, and. You know what? It turned out to be actually a huge, huge game because it was against yeah. uh, the national champion and a team that we left for dead in the middle of the season, but still found a way to 10 and three. Right. Uh, continuing Clemson's uh, 10 game uh, per year win streak. Uh, but it's so bizarre. Like if you look at how bad, how bad he was um, in most like pass efficiency measures uh, versus like year over year, like he, he dropped from, he was a like, uh, about like 90th percentile, like on a small sample, like 91st, 92nd percentile pass efficient guy in his uh, spotty uh, spot work, I guess you could say in his freshman year. And then he dropped to the ninth percentile, like crazy. <laughs> so crazy. as a pass, like dropping from the mid nineties or, or low nineties and, and like comparing him to all passers in like the last five or six years, like 90th percentile plus dropping to ninth in just a year's time. It's just, he got the yips, had some footwork issues, and never recovered. And yep. so he's lost some weight. And people think he's actually going to bounce back. He he has the confidence of his coaching staff, at least. It seems that way right now. So that's, that's probably enough time on him. Yeah. I do think he's going to bounce back as well. I, I do think he, he has that potential. I think he needs to absolutely dominate, though, mm-hmm. to get back into the first-round discussion. Well, the, the ACC but, is the new Big 12, in my opinion. You know, like – no defense, all offense. Let's go. I mean, we saw what Virginia did last year. I love it. Let's. I think Clemson's going to be able to put up a lot of points this year. There's no good defense in the ACC anymore. 
Let's hope, man. And there are there are a bunch of good quarterbacks there. So oh, yeah, that, that there's going to be a bunch of points scored across the ACC all season long. Uh, another guy uh, that everyone was hype on just a year ago. I mean, he was what the first quarterback off the board for many uh, 2022 NFL mock drafts, like right after the 2021 NFL mock draft, and that was Spencer Rattler, uh, Oklahoma quarterback, now South Carolina quarterback. I know, but some people have been talking about him this offseason. Some have already just left him for dead. Some believe that uh, he just ha- will never get his head on straight. Um, some believe that you know he can spin it with the best of them. But how is this processing really? Like when you uh, put him in a situation where he doesn't have the best weapons, and when you sit him and he's going to be facing SEC defenses, um, some people expect him to struggle this season. But for me, like I love that that he's with Shane Beamer. He's got a bunch of plays he's already familiar with. Uh, like half the book he's already going to know before he even gets to fall camp. I mean, he probably knew it this spring, but like he he didn't have to. There wasn't a steep learning curve uh, systematically for him going to South, South Carolina, given his history with being you know being a part of that recruiting uh, when he was still in high school. So um, I think Rattler could really wow this year as as well and bounce back. I, it would be really funny to me. They're both way down the board in terms of college to Canton. Uh, drafts in terms of Debbie drafts, like way, 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 way late. And it would just be hilarious. And it would make next year's quarterback class one of the best of all time if we saw, you know, both DJU and Spencer Rattler join Bryce Young and CJ Stroud as early first round kind of guys. But what does Rattler need to do? I mean, because at this point, like he has an impressive entire season before last year right. of solid work. Um, his a dot dropped, his efficiency dropped, everything dropped with Caleb Williams coming up behind him and replacing him, benching him. Uh, but what is he like? What would he have to do to climb up into that conversation? I think I think what you said. I think he has to show that decision making. I think he has to uh, cut back on the big mistakes because that was the problem. The talent is obviously there. The explosiveness. Um, like you see those dynamic plays, um, but then you see just these crazy, uh, what are you thinking about moments that just really make you stop and question. So I think if he can clean that up, uh, he'll be in a really, really good spot. I think the thing that was surprising to me, I'm curious if you know this, you usually ask me the trivia questions. Um, what is his career high season like for rushing yards? What's his yeah, career high rushing yards. You mean the like uh, raw totals or yeah. like his rushing yard market share number? Raw total. Raw total, like it's 160 yards. Like it's yeah. not a bunch. No, it's but tiny. In that particular season, yeah. But in that particular season, Oklahoma actually didn't run the ball uh, a ton. Um, but overall. that season, like, he also rusher. He also only averaged two yards a carry. Now I know that's with sacks included, but it's just crazy how um how dynamic he looks and then it's just we're just waiting for it to 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 happen on the field and it just yeah so i don't know i don't know it's a it's a tough one i believe i took him in that same i've got dju and spencer rattler so i'm all in on these two boys um men i think they could both really bounce back and and to me um there's a reason they were ranked so highly there's a reason they were recruited so heavily there's a reason we had so much hope and faith in them. And I, I do think that they will get back. And I think the pressure will be off Spencer Rattler. I mean, you're, you're at South Carolina. I mean, yes, it's a big, it's an SEC school. It's big time football, but it's not like, 
Um, it's not like Norman, you know. So I think it will be. I think it will be good. I think yeah. it'll be good for him. I think. I think we see him uh, take a step forward, a big step forward. Yeah, and if we look at like all the the best quarterbacks returning and their peak pass efficiency numbers, like Grayson McCall has silly numbers because I, well, he plays at Coastal Carolina, so his right. profile <laughs> is just silly. Like he had like a one hundredth percentile type profile last year That's at insane. times because they played nobody. And then you have CJ Stroud, obviously up there. You got Caleb Williams. You actually have Hinton Hooker, Keenan Slovis up there ahead of him, and even Bryce Young in that same conversation. But like right up there next to all those guys at their peak, you have Spencer Rattler's 2020 season. And so if he can get back there um, in, in a fresh situation uh, with absolutely no pressure of anyone replacing him behind him, uh, that could be that could be fun to see his his really his stock skyrocket. Those two guys, I think they are the biggest obvious post-hype sleeper types that have dropped 10 rounds, 12 rounds, 13, 14 rounds in terms of average draft position in, uh, you know, nerdy campus to Kenton leagues, Debbie leagues, everything. So at cost, especially, I, I think that all in mentality costs you almost nothing now to invest in, in most leagues. So that's given the talent, what we've already seen from both of them. That's intriguing. A few other names before we jump into some camp situations, um, Kamar Wheaton, you know, five-star t- type talent, Alabama running back goes and leaves, goes to SMU. I'm not sure all the variables that led to that decision. Uh, some of it was some academic smoke. Some of it was some other issues, you know, off-field stuff or whatever. Didn't really gel uh, with uh, Mr. Nick Saban, I guess. Uh, so he's gone. But at SMU, who loves to run the football, uh, and a, a program that is headed to the Big 12, Power 5, or whatever it's going to be ranks, here soon uh kamar wheaton is uh really i guess a i guess he's technically a redshirt freshman because he didn't do anything right. last year yeah a second year player could explode uh this coming season uh, are you high on him because i've i've not seen him go very high at all in any drafts uh this offseason yeah i think it's hard to know what smu is going to do with their running back situation but i think it's pretty safe to say that he's gonna walk in there with uh, some of the highest recruiting pedigree from from um, what they have. I mean, I'm excited to see what he can do there. I don't know. We haven't really seen him play in college much, to your point. So um, I'm excited. I think, like you said about the quarterbacks, you're able to get them so cheap that it's worth, and especially in C2C leagues where you're getting those points for him already, I think it's worth you know, taking a flyer on him in Debbie leagues, I think I'm going to pass because you only get so many shots. And um, not only do you have to wait a long time with him, but we don't really know what's going to happen. And um, it's been a minute since uh, SMU has been producing uh, running back talent in the NFL. So I think it'll be interesting to see what he does. I'm definitely going to be watching pretty closely though. Yeah, for sure. If anybody's going to produce it at SMU, it's going to be a guy with five-star pedigree yeah. and athleticism to come in and, and really be a, a, a true difference maker. I liked Bentley last year, but right. he's obviously in a new new place. Uh, he was never going to be like a feature bell cow, huge guy because he's really tiny, but Wheaton could be a difference maker. Uh, you know, I probably should have mentioned Marshawn Lloyd while we were talking about Rattler right? Uh, because Marshawn Lloyd was a hugely hyped uh, running back prospect coming in uh, borderline five-star talent uh, coming in for South Carolina had the injury missed a bunch of time saw Kevin Harris go off last year had to split with basically two or three other running backs uh, this year Christian Beal Smith comes in from Wake Forest Juju 
Juju McDowell is still there. So, I mean, it could be a committee still for South Carolina, or we could see, uh, you know, second season post-surgery and whatnot, Marshawn Lloyd actually go off. Um, I have seen some people actually believe more so in him than uh, Kamar Wheaton. Um, do you believe in that just because of like the, the offense perhaps being projected to be more successful this year? Or or do you think it's, you know, going into year three, it's a complete wait and see. I'm not, you're, you're not really buying at all. Well, I, I would say I, I actually would, I think SMU's offense will be more explosive and dynamic than South Carolina's, but that's neither here nor there really. Um, but yeah, I think what you just said, I think they're, I, I'm, I personally am more excited about Kamar Wheaton than um, than Lloyd, just because I don't know what at all kind of playing time he's going to get. Uh, that's the one thing I feel fairly good about um, with Kamar Wheaton is I think he'll touch the yeah. ball. I think that's why he went there. Um, I I don't know if we can assume that um, that um, Lloyd is the lead back there, let alone. Um, getting getting looks at all i mean he's currently you know projected to be the starter but you have a a, a grad mm-hmm. transfer coming in there to your point that could take a lot of the work yeah i mean and he was really the rb3 ish mm-hmm. um for them last year like with is a quadri right white and kevin harris out touching last year and really uh, juju mcdowell being more efficient uh not through the air necessarily but yeah i I'm I'm kind of out, but I've seen some people still touting him. Uh, I have so in, many in the, shares uh, pedigree, from last I guess. year. I oh, don't do want, you? <laughs> yeah, I don't want any more. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I, yeah, that's I'm fair. Not, I'm that's not fair. my peak limit. Yeah, uh, I'm rooting for Eric Gilbert to actually smash. Uh, I know he's going to be splitting targets and time at tight end for Georgia, uh, with Brock Bowers being the, the explosive. Uh, receiving weapon that he was last year but Gilbert you know blew up was the highest rated tight end and like 24 7 sports composite history uh, comes in and just has this amazing freshman season for LSU and then disappears has a cup of coffee for four like with Florida goes to Georgia misses the entire year whatever and now he's back I hope he is really back and find success and it'll be great just funny to me if Georgia had three tight ends get drafted and like yeah, I, I, all three like Brock Bowers, Eric Gilbert, and Darnell Washington. Right. I, if all of them, because they're huge human beings that are all athletic and can catch the ball. So Gilbert, I, I've seen some people taking him pretty high, and I'm not sure for campus to Canton that he's actually going to produce a ton. Is he? I, I don't. I don't think so. I think you're banking on the pedigree. You're hoping for something to happen. Yeah, it's interesting, though, because um, not much Georgia being the defending national champions. Um, it's funny, like you don't see many of their skilled players go very early. I mean, Stetson Bennett doesn't get drafted. Um, you know, you don't yeah. see you don't see much much happening. Maybe Jermaine Burton would have, but he's no longer there. Uh, Brock Bowers, of course, mm-hmm. is like you said. Uh, but outside of that, I, I just don't know. So I don't think um, it's an offense that. Uh, we're projecting to be doing a ton through the air. Like, what? What much, is there going to be enough to go around? Is my fear. Uh, so, to me, Eric Gilbert, I hope, like you said, like for him, for the player, like I'd love to see him um, explode and make it to the NFL. But uh, I've got zero shares, and I anticipate that it will remain that way. And he's not even a guy that I think yeah, we'll, we'll use in DFS much. You know, like 
Uh, I just don't oh, think there's... Yeah, just because like the tight end two for Georgia. Yeah. Like, like they're going to be running the ball a lot probably still. We'll probably get to that here shortly. But wide receivers, like post-type guys, Jaden Hazelwood transfers out and goes to Arkansas. Of course, Treylon Burks, no longer with the team, is now with the Tennessee Titans. They need a big-time playmaker to, to be a difference maker. And it seems like uh, they want that to be very badly. They want that to be Jaden Hazelwood. He missed some time in the spring, was in like non-contact jerseys, uh, but they really want him to be that guy. They're probably going to give him every opportunity to be that guy. Uh, are you? I, I, I actually have found myself drafting him a couple of times this off season, expecting him to rise back to what was what the number one overall wide receiver in his entire recruiting class. He has that kind of upside. Uh, he has that projected expected kind of first round upside if everything kind of comes together. And so I think he could very well be a day two NFL wide receiver draft pick still. Um, Do you think he puts it together this year and is that kind of early draft pick next year? I definitely, I'm betting on it. Uh, I just, in that draft that I was just talking about with Spence. Like literally? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I will, if I can, I'll have to find that. Um, I'm a man of my will when it comes to betting, but, uh, no, to your point, um, he he's a little bit, he's 10 pounds lighter than Burks, but he's taller. Um, I think uh, KJ will enjoy having a large target to throw to because he's not the most accurate quarterback, um, but he can get the ball down the field. We saw that with Burks last year. I think Jaden Hazelwood, it's funny, man. I was doing some research and I was like, man, Hazelwood only had 39 receptions for 399 yards and six touchdowns. He led the Sooners in receptions and touchdowns. That's insane. Like they just did not feed the ball to their wide receivers. And so um, I'm excited to see what he can do. Um, Now again, Arkansas, not the most explosive offense, but they showed obviously that they can support an alpha wide receiver. And I do anticipate uh, Hazelwood to be that there. I wasn't as excited about it. Actually, we, we talked about him a couple months ago and you were a lot higher on him than I was. And since that conversation, he's definitely uh, moved up my boards quite a bit. So I'm expecting him to bounce back quite a bit. It's funny, this C2C league that we're starting up right now, I pretty much have like all the post-hype sleepers, um, like Eric Gray, we didn't mention. <laughs> I've got him. You know, I, yeah. I'm all in on these guys. I, I think the value's really good. And I, I, I think at least, uh, I think the majority of the, guy, of the guys, not all of them, of course, but I think the majority of the guys we're talking about are going to have nice seasons this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, Eric Gray. He was going like second round last year. <laughs> yeah. And you and I were like, like, you and I were not in, in on it. But now. No, Wisp was. Yeah. But Kennedy's gone. Um, they've got a couple of freshmen like Sawchuck and um, I forget the other kid's name. Um, Javante Barnes. Javante Barnes. Yeah. yeah he did. He's the other guy. He's the bigger bodied. Yeah. Uh, high pedigree guy that comes in. So. So yeah. So I don't know. That, that'll be an inter- interesting yeah. situation. So yeah. I've got a lot of former OU guys on my team, I guess is what we're saying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then I guess the, just the other mix of wide receivers that are always not so fun to talk about, but they used to be. <laughs> Do we think any of the big bodied, all the same person wide receivers that you mentioned earlier, uh, Joe, Joe Nagata, uh, Frank Ladson now in Miami, EJ Williams, still at Clemson. Uh, any of those guys that, like that were top pedigree, Wide receivers, we were super hyped on. Like Joan Gagata was like, I was, I loved him coming in. I guess it was the 2019 class. Um, but now he just, I guess he was the only guy who did much of anything mm-hmm. uh, early on in the season last year. It's just, 
do you believe in any of those guys anymore? Cause they're like, they're huge, impressive athletes with incredible pedigree. And uh, do you think Gata or Williams actually takes off this year? Finally for Clemson or, or Ladson finally takes off as the alpha for Miami now after his transfer. You know what the, the former or uh, the, the, the body of wide receiver um, from Clemson that I think is going to have the best season statistically. It might be a Zhao a Zhao. Now it's South Florida, <laughs> just because the defense right. there won't be quite as tough. No, man, I don't know. Uh, Ladson's not going to have many people um, outside of maybe the tight end Mallory there and um, really fighting for targets. I think there's a huge opportunity there. Uh, I know with Cristobal, uh, Miami, you're not going to see a, a huge vertical game. At least that wasn't what he was doing in Oregon, even with quarterbacks like Justin Herbert. Um, so it's hard for me to get too excited about that. And I'm more excited about the youngsters at um, at Clemson. I, I, I'm excited about Collins and um, see what and, and yep. Antonio and yeah, yeah. I think, I think I that's where, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if of, one of these guys pops, but I don't think I know which one. <laughs> Yeah. Speaking of, let's just transition because that's one. The Clemson wide receivers is the first of the camp battles. I think we could just tackle because yeah, Nagata is probably still the starting X. Like uh, Bo Collins is their Z-ish kind of guy. And then after that, like I'm not sure because we saw like a bunch of uh, solid plays from Dakari Collins. EJ Williams can play, we know. Um, I don't think Brandon Spector is, is going to be a thing. I know Matt Wispay, he likes Troy Stilato, but I think he's buried at this point. Um, Adam, Adam Randall, this huge, big-bodied, typical Clemson wide receiver that was supposed to come in, in this year and maybe be an impact guy, could be after this year, is out for the season. Uh, and that leaves Antonio Williams as the highest pedigree, most impressive, true freshman coming in. Uh, program seems to already really like him. I think he could be that kind of slot, uh, shifty, underneath guy. that They don't have a lot of that type of wide receiver and perhaps lead the team in receptions on the year that as a true freshman, that that would be my bet actually at this point. And so I'm watching the Clemson wide receiver in rotation uh, throughout camp because, and, and of course camp's not back quite yet. A lot of the programs uh, kicking off next week, I think like uh, big ones coming back like next Thursday, August 4th, I think. Um, but that's going to be something to, to watch here very soon to see if Antonio Williams is already uh, making some noise throughout the first couple of weeks and I'm, I'm thankful that I'm past the point at which I have already drafted him or someone has drafted him in all my leagues now right. because <laughs> I, I, I wanted him on as many teams as possible. But who, who would be your guy that you would bet to lead the team in receptions among Clemson wide receivers this year? Yeah, I think he's a good bet. I think uh, Bo Collins might be one, like talking yardage, I think uh, Bo Collins could, could have the opportunity there. Um, but it's so hard to say. I mean, uh, do we have DJU the whole year? What does Cade look like? Um, could it be a running back that we need? <laughs> I don't know what Clemson's going to do. I know they're going to try to play tough defense. Um, it's hard to say. Uh, these porous ACC defenses, though, I think should allow Clemson to do whatever they want, but I'm afraid that they rely so heavily on Will Shipley and Kobe Pace and company that they, uh, I don't know if, if this year we'll see a ton of, and I know I'm kind of talking out of both sides of my mouth because I said I think DJU is going to bounce back. But I think that's going to be more from an efficiency perspective um, and spreading the ball around a lot more than really seeing any receivers pop off. So I like Antonio Williams for the future a lot. I'm not so sure about this upcoming season. Yeah, I think the safest bet is probably Bo Collins just because 
as long as DJU is starting, like he played high school ball with Bo and last year, obviously he was a reliant, uh, reliable target outside of Justin Ross when he really didn't have many. And so I think Bo Collins is the safest bet. Uh, Nagata had a, a hot start early in the year and was like the only guy who against top tier opponents could really dominate anyway, because he's just got that freak athleticism. Uh, but I think that Antonio Williams is going to be that refreshing. Holy cow. Wait, my a wide receiver is open in space. I could just chuck it. I don't even have to be super accurate and he'll grab it. Right. <laughs> like there's right. going to be somebody that is that player because Clemson just sorely misses that kind of archetype. So I think that's, that's my bet, but I'm watching that camp situation a bunch, but uh, let's get to Bama because they have a bajillion uh, high pedigree players at every position uh, at this point. I mean, like we, I, we're not going to talk about it, but even tight end, like it's, it's right, crazy. They, they right. have two freshmen at tight end behind Cameron Latu that are both going to come in and effortlessly, effortlessly replace him quarterback. They've got 57 of those guys in the pipeline through recruiting. It's silly, but wide receiver is what is probably the most confusing because they legit have nine or 10 guys. that are like top 100 level pedigree receivers Unreal. on the team right now. I mean, it's, it's crazy. I mean, you have Ja'Cory Brooks, five-star Jermaine Burton, borderline four, five-star uh, Jojo Earl. Uh, he, he came in and was a competent slot at times last year before going down with injury. High pedigree guy. Isaiah Bond, true freshman. Aaron Anderson, Kendrick Law, both true freshmen, could see significant time. Christian Leary, another high pedigree guy. Treshawn Holden, even not, he's not a scrub. Like Tyler Harrell, Harrell transfers in from Louisville. Yep. He was like one of the most efficient wide receivers in the entirety of college football last year for Louisville. And he's upgrading a quarterback with Bryce Young. So, barely, barely. Man, like who in the, yeah, who in the world? The uh, is is going to go off uh, this year for Alabama? Because somebody is, right? Some, somebody has to go off for Alabama. That's how they roll. Historically speaking, that's what happens. They they like to feature one or two guys, and <laughs> and they can get away with it. They can scheme guys open, and they do. And Bryce Young, as we know, is an amazing quarterback who can find people. I think someone the the per, the, the players game who I think. Um, could really elevate because we've seen this archetype before um, is, is Harold. I think he could really explode in this offense. I think we could see him as that downfield threat, which uh, has, you know, last couple of years has gotten people drafted in the first round. So um, now will he produce like, like Jameson did? Uh, is he going to put up uh rugs type numbers? Probably not, but I can't wait to see him try. I think he's going to be super excited. He, <laughs> Uh, he's the one I'm probably most excited about, um, but I feel like I'm probably in the minority um, with uh, calling out Harold as my guy. <laughs> Definitely are. I think because, I mean, Jermaine Burton is the consensus guy. Like if you look at all the draft data for campus account numbers yeah, or, you know, even just straight Debbie leagues or anything like that for fantasy football projections and NFL draft projections. A lot of people think, especially because of the noise from this spring, oh, Jermaine Burton came in and was immediately the guy, blah, blah, blah. And uh, it was mainly actually because when they first opened camp, Corey Brooks was actually missing some time, just getting dinged up with some undisclosed um, uh, trouble himself, like injury himself. Uh, but he's reportedly healthy, 100%. And the only returning guy from last year that uh, was super trustworthy at very, very key moments for the team. Like what? John Mechie's gone, and he's crazy situation with him. Jameson Will. Jameson Williams gone. Slade Bolden, for some reason, thought he was going to get drafted. Like, 
And Cameron, Cameron Latu's there as a tight end, but he's not like a big receiving threat. Right. Trajan Holton was okay at times. But in the biggest moments, in the biggest plays that defined Alabama's season, like it's Ja'Cory Brooks. Like he was the reason he caught the, what ended up being the, the game winning touchdown against Auburn last year, which would have completely changed the season for Alabama had they lost that game. And in the national championship game, Ja'Cory Brooks had six receptions uh, against the best defense of all time on nine targets. Like he nine targets in the national championship game, Ja'Cory Brooks, and he's coming back. So um, to me, Ja'Cory Brooks uh, had he been 100% for camp, he would have been the guy getting all the buzz. And Burton, too, sure. But I, given what we know in, in terms of the pedigree of, of, of Brooks and him breaking out kind of later in the season and being an impact guy for them, I think he is the guy who goes off for 1,200-plus yards this year with 80 receptions, something like that. I think Harrell has some absolutely bonkers highlights plays. I think he he has like the 40-plus you know, 40-ish receptions, and he averages almost 20 yards per. Right. But <laughs> because he's got Bryce Young and he's got some wheels, and that's fun. But I think the volume guys, like Burton, just he is the Mechie role. Like I think he probably has more more receptions. Right. But I could see Brooks having better efficiency, maybe more touchdowns, and being the, the even though he's a different body type, be uh, that kind of that Jameson Williams in terms of how the targets are distributed. Um, the moral of the this story season. is but, Bryce Young's winning the Heisman. <laughs> like, uh, I mean, he's going to be right there again. Yeah, he has to be. But I think it, it, right now it's looking like uh, some mix of Ja'Cory Brooks, Jermaine Burton, plus somebody else. And that, that could be Harrell because they brought him in to be that speedster. Uh, or it could be Earl because he had some success uh, really splitting time in the slot last year already. Uh, but then they have other guys who who look like they could compete in in kind of a slot role too, like Aaron Anderson, uh, even Isaiah Bond yeah. um, could compete for time. But I think they're more rotational guys. I don't think any of the true freshmen are going to make a bunch of noise uh, this year, given what they have already. Uh, but it could be where they rotate f- between four. And uh, m- my bets would just be most confidently – uh, on Ja'Cory Brooks and Jermaine Burton personally. But I'm I'm watching because I really don't think we know. I, I right. you know We might think we know, but we, but we don't yet. And so that situation, obviously, uh, is still way up in the air uh, because I have if, a, if Saban doesn't like how guys work, it's not clicking, right. let's move on. Let's give somebody else some snaps. I'll do it in big moments yeah. as, he, as he did some last year. Yeah, I'll just say I have, a, I have an awful lot of uh, Tyler Harrell shares. <laughs> I think I think I'm getting near 100. Hey, they, and you know what the thing is, they it cost you much less. Yep, because he's going way later, even after the transfer, going way later. Yep. So, yeah, uh, at cost uh, certainly. Because Brooks, I mean, he's going. I got I think I got him in like the sixth round. He recently fifth round once this off season. But guys who were going in the first round on that team, man, Jameer Gibbs, uh, that guy, he obviously is going to own the majority of the touches this year. Can be a receiver for them. Can be a running back for them. But that, after that, I think it's it's I'm interested because Jason McClellan figures to be the guy, maybe. But Roydell got plenty of snaps. Trey Sanders got plenty of snaps. Jamarian Miller is being talked up this spring as a true freshman coming in, high pedigree guy. And Emmanuel Henderson, who was not there for spring because he was too busy dunking on kids at basketball, <laughs> um, like he comes in as the highest pedigree freshman 
uh, running back for them. But he's he's like just an offensive weapon because he can be a re- receiving threat. He's big enough to do that. He can, and fast enough to do that. He can be a running back. He, he's just a freak athlete that since age 14 or 15 has been a five-star player. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, I mean, beyond Gibbs, are you excited or believe in any of those guys to make an impact this year and beyond? Um, beyond sure, but which one, I don't know. And which one at Alabama, right? <laughs> which one of these guys is playing at Tulane in two years? I don't know. Like, um, yeah. Which one's transfer out and you know, they're playing for someone else. Right. And then, and then they absolutely will produce, you know, like these guys are very talented. Um, it's funny. I, uh, I pulled up the, uh, just, um, the depth chart and, uh, they'd go five deep and Emmanuel um, Emmanuel Henderson's not even listed, you know, like that's how incredible yeah. this backfield is. And that, and that's kind of why I don't really know mm-hmm. outside of Gibbs. And, and to me, Gibbs is right there with, with Bijan and, and Travion um, as far as running backs that I want this year. And, uh, and, and beyond him, like, I think, I think anyone, any, any given Saturday, it could be, it could be Trey, it could be Jace, it could be uh, Roy Dale. And we're not going to know. Uh, there's not going to be much, much way of knowing, I don't think, because I think Saban's going to want to give them all a look. Uh, so, so to me, it's it's Jameer Gibbs and then a void. But we're talking pretty late um, in in drafts here, so you can probably get yeah. some value with these guys. Although a lot of them were probably taken, um, you know, the the like I know Trey Sanders and stuff like that. Like his freshman year, he was a pretty high pick just because he's a running back going to Alabama. I mean. And he was the number one overall running back in his class. Yeah. Uh, he just had like, some bad luck with injuries and whatnot. So, yeah, it's tough, yeah. man. It's a tough room to read because there's so much talent there. Um, but there is definitely an alpha. You know, it's it's definitely Jameer Gibbs and everyone else. I just don't know how the rest of it shakes out. Yeah, I know because Jamarian Miller, true freshman, was there this spring. Um, you know, a lot of people getting extra looks at him. Uh, people were pumping him up over Emmanuel Henderson. And to me, like Emmanuel Henderson, just I've had him rostered on teams that well, for a couple of years now, just already because I play in super nerdy leagues mm-hmm. for fantasy football. Um, and it, yes, I do. But, and it's been because like he does everything and he, he could have played defense if he wanted to. Um, like in the off, off season when Saban was talking about Emmanuel Henderson, um, he was talking about how he could just, they're, they're going to have to find ways to get him on the field because he can, he's just an offensive weapon. And uh, when asked about him and where they would plug him in, uh, Saban loved the fact that Henderson uh, was quoted as saying, you know, I'll just, wherever coach wants me to play, I'm going to play. Yeah. And so like that kind of mentality, like Saban loves that player. And so <laughs> I think he's going to find a way to invest in that player. Cause really realistically, it could be that after this year, Gibbs, McClellan, Sanders, Royd, and Roydell Williams, all the guys who have had touches already or are projected to be the guys this year could all be gone. Yep. And it could be Jamarian Miller, Manuel Henderson, and then some freshmen next year that are high pedigree. <laughs> yeah. At which point, if you're betting on Jermaine Miller or Emmanuel Henderson, I'm going to go with the all-around skill set kind of feature back player that we've known as a monster for three, <laughs> three plus years, and that's Emmanuel, Emmanuel Henderson. Uh, over any, any of these guys. So that's my bet. That's been my bet. I think I have him in almost all my leagues. Uh, that's my take. I don't think he's going to do much this year, but when he does touch it a few times and some blowouts, it's going to be like, holy cow, this guy's amazing. Yeah. So I can't wait to see it. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it'll be fun. Hey, let's uh, let's take a quick break and then jump back in with some of these other uh, camp situations to watch. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, we're back. Where do you want to go next? There's uh, still quite a few that uh, that we can talk about. I'd actually love to hear your thoughts. I mean, we were just talking about Georgia um, not too long ago. What do you think happens with their running back room? Because to me, um, there's a lot of buzz around Branson Robinson coming in, highly, highly recruited, highly touted freshman. But we've got, you know, we still got running backs that were producing somewhat for them last year in uh, Kenny McIntosh and Kendall Milton. So uh, where do you think um, Georgia's rushing attack comes from? Do you think it's a, a committee or do you think one of these guys can take hold? I think it's a committee and I think uh, we've seen them employ some kind of committee for right. a while. Like even when they have like an NFL talent that is a, an early draft pick at some point in their career, they're splitting touches in a frustrating fashion in many cases. Uh, you know, there's not always a clear feature back. Like how many, how many running backs for Georgia in the past, like five years have had 200 carries in a season? Like, do you know what that number is? I'm going to guess like one. Uh, it's one. Yeah. It, it is Nick Chubb. Yeah. That was it. Like, <clears throat> I mean, even when he was sharing like touches with Sony Michelle and Deandre Swift, like in that season, he had 223 carries which is crazy, but he only had four catches the entire year. That's like they don't. Yeah. And normally and every other year, like there hasn't been anybody that's really had over 200 total touches for the most part. Yeah. Like, and so I think we could see a mix. Uh, we could see Kendall Milton. We could see Kenny McIntosh. We could see them uh, sprinkle in Branson Robinson. Like, and it, and it look a whole lot like the year that Nick, it was, I mean, the talents are probably a step down, <laughs> but it, you know, when they, when it was Nick Chubb, Sonny Michelle, and they were introducing DeAndre Swift. That's so like, crazy. That could be. What a crazy yeah! I remember that season, and, and <laughs> I know, I know, and and, um, and I was at. I remember being a Vanderbilt Vanderbilt season ticket holder that year, <laughs> and just going down and getting. A, <laughs> and I, I had tickets on the away side because I want to watch, you know, be closer to the real football players. Right. And so I walked down 
uh, close to our seats, um, you could just walk down and get a picture. And the running back room was just sitting there, right, at, right, right by like the end of the steps. And so I got a quick selfie. And of course, Ch- Chubb and and Michelle and and actually McIntosh, I think was. I don't know if he was there already. Like he's actually old. Like I'm, I, there was some other running back. I'm like man, poor him. He's never going to touch the mm-hmm. ball. I just remember thinking, who is this schmuck? Like he's never going to get on the field. That's so funny. But, um, but now it's like uh, this year we can see that be the biggest body, like uh, monster of a, of a guy, and Kendall Kendall Milton be that Nick Chubb. We could see Kenny McIntosh be the change of pace guy that uh, Stony Michelle was for them, and then the introductory freshman that turns out to be a pretty elite talent, better than. Uh, at least one of the other running backs in the mix be Branson Robinson. Um, and then I know a lot of people love Andrew Paul because he's a really big body feature back kind of looking guy. He looks like a professional running back. He was a, kind of, for those of you unfamiliar, Andrew Paul can, comes from kind of lower tier private school, Texas football, but it's still Texas football um, and was a late riser in the process because the, the school didn't really feature the running back. Uh, at all. In fact, they really featured the quarterback position so much so that his quarterback from last year, even though he, he was a f- true freshman uh, and playing in Texas football, like he's already a top 10 quarterback in his respective uh, quarterback class as a true freshman. His name is Saw- Sawyer Anderson. Um, and so he's going into his sophomore season, but already had like 10 plus offers coming That's out nice. of his true freshman season because they just featured that position so much and asked him to carry the team. And Andrew Paul was the other just monster. They, they, they dominated one, one state and Paul climbed up late, uh, got the commit to Georgia late was part of the reason that Jordan James, a uh, middle Tennessee running back actually uh, transferred to your Oregon ducks. So you can actually thank Andrew Paul for Jordan James going to your Oregon ducks. Um, that's a lot of a round, long-winded way of saying that Andrew Paul was a late-rising monster of a running back prospect that some people think could be even better than Branson Robinson. I'm not there at all uh, in the slightest, but he could be, um, if any of the running backs ahead of him falters, he could be that running back three for Georgia. So that's just a really intriguing, uh, high-pedigree, uh, high-talent uh, room that's you know, at running back university, or at least one of them, uh, whoever wins the work is probably going to get drafted. Yeah. If, if someone can win the work, right? I think that's really interesting. I, I'm, I'm curious. Uh, I'm really curious to see what happens. And I think they're going to need to see a lot of production there because uh, Stetson Bennett is still their quarterback. <laughs> so um, I think it'll be important to, to get that run game going. Um, let's talk about... Um, we, there was I had this perfect segue planned, and now I've totally forgot what it was. But it had something to do with it's <laughs> okay. to do with Texas. Peek behind oh, the you were talking about no you were you were talking about <laughs> Texas um, people playing Texas football. I play Texas football, and of course the Longhorns. Which of the guys? I mean, you you are a, a noted Xavier Worthy uh, stan, so we don't have to talk about him. We know he's alpha numero uno. Uh, who do you like outside of Worthy? We've got a pretty exciting uh, room here, too. Um, we were talking about Alabama earlier. IJ Hall is over here now. You've got Nair and Winnington. Who who do you like in this Texas um, room? Of course, Quinn Ewers, the quarterback uh, there now, and um, Arch Manning, soon to be there. Uh, but for, for this season and, and for draft purposes, for NFL draft purposes, do you think outside of Worthy, there's someone that we can get excited about here? 
I think so. I think mean, a lot of people still think Ajayi Hall once he figures this out, you know, his head situation out. That's who I like to be honest. Else. Yeah, I mean Ajayi Hall. I, I, he was, and again, just to go down the recruiting rabbit trail, I'm, he's been somebody that we knew for I don't know four years before he got to college. That okay, this kid has NFL talent, and it's absurd. Like he's just a, embarrassing everyone at these camps, and he's. And it, making look at like the highest pedigree kids, like just left and right, and embarrassing people all the way through. Uh, if he keeps his head on straight, oh my goodness, the upside is the moon. Um, and that's still the case. But he's just been such a disappointment uh, to well everyone uh, that he's been around for like the past three years. Like he, he, even in high school, was transferring high schools left and right because he just was. A drama, a drama king. Like it was just, it was a mess. So like, I think he went to five different schools in five years uh, altogether. In the last five years, I'm pretty sure it's five schools in five years. That's insane. Uh, if you count his like moments that he had with the uh, IMG, he didn't even play for them. Uh, so it's just like, dude, come on, like settle down and actually get on, stay on the field, learn an offense to where you're actually in the right place at the right time. Yes. Like he was doing at Alabama and um, he could be a first round pick. Yeah. So like, that's the upside play for sure. And you can't screw like when you're in Alabama and you've got a crowded room like that, you can't be making mistakes. But the the room is crowded in Austin as well because these other guys are no slouches. Um, and like if you look at like <clears throat> I'm looking at a, our lads, which isn't the I mean the, I like looking at our lads for their depth charts because it has a lot of information. It's not always the most accurate, but they don't even have them listed as a starter. Uh, so they've got these other guys ahead of them. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens here. Um, and he's going to have to really, I think, show up and show some commitment to get that time on the field. But if and when I think he does, I think he's going to be absolutely electric. That offense is going to be insane, yeah. by the way. Yeah. Should, no, I really I don't be. think he's going to open the season. I don't think he's going to open the season as a starter. I think that's already locked in as Xavier Worthy, Isaiah Nair, transfer from Wyoming, and then Jordan Weddington, who uh, another five-star type talent who's just really struggled to stay healthy. I'm not even sure he's really the same player at this point, given all of uh, the issues that he's had uh, physically. Uh, so if, if, and then Billingsley is there now too. anywhere. Yeah. And Billingsley is another head case. So right. <laughs> he's just there because of the connection with, with Sark. But uh, again, I'm not, not sure that he even sees the field because Jatavian Sanders is a much bigger body, normal tight end prospect. That's probably actually better than him. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I don't think he's even the starter either. So it could be that, these big names that we know and Billingsley and Hall aren't don't, don't even open the season as starters. Like I think that's almost a lock unless something happens during camp and they they rise up. But if Hall does beat anybody out eventually, um, whether through injury or just finally clicking, I, I think it might actually be Whittington, which is weird uh, because Whittington was such a hyped up player three, four years ago at this point, but. Yeah, Ajayi Hall would be the, the sexiest one, but Isaiah Nair is probably actually the wide receiver too for them on the on the year. Uh, quick question the for transfer. you: like he's he's a big bodied like six three two ten kind of guy who can produce. So, yeah, I'm going way off tangent here, um, but one of my favorite <laughs> okay. uh, one of my favorite uh, quarterbacks to watch um, with their high school tape was uh, Malik Murphy, who now with the Arch Manning signing is buried, and Quinn Ewers transferring over. Yeah, he's gone. Um, but what do you think? Why hasn't he transferred? What's happening? <laughs> Just due to the, the transfer rules. I mean, Malik Murphy would have had to have been already in the transfer 
uh, portal like at the beginning of May, like around the timeline, same timeline that Jordan Addison had his old thing going to USC. And so when Arch Manning committed, like it was way past that. So even if Murphy transferred, there was no way he was going to play this this fall again. So he doesn't really have much incentive to rush that and try to find a new home right away. So he's probably looking already. He probably already knows, um, you know, he has some options next year. He's not going to see the field period, but it stinks for him. But he was a fun dual threat, kind of higher pedigree guy. Yeah, I liked him a uh, lot in his class. And now he's absolutely buried. No, no chance he's ever going to play for Texas. Right. Uh, let's let's jump over to the Big Ten for a little bit here. Uh, let's go to our uh, our good friend Matt Wispay's Ohio, the Ohio State. We've got just an absolutely insane wide receiver room. Of course, everyone remembers Jack Jackson Smith and Jigba, Marvin Harrison, um, and Egbuka even. But we've got a bunch of freshmen coming in. We've got some other players here that have um, huge potential, huge, uh, huge recruiting gets for Ohio State. Every time a, a wide receiver commits to Ohio State, I just ask myself why, because it's already such a stacked room, and they just keep adding players to it. Um, but I guess if you want to be a top transfer target, that's what you do. <laughs> you go, you ride pine and then you move out. Um, but w- what do you think? Yeah, um, basically. I, I think Jackson Smith and Jigba, I think you and I both would say he's probably the, the number one um, as far as like a guy you and I would be targeting in a, in, in a draft. But uh, who do you think, who are some of the names that you really like after that? And, or, or all of the above is also possible. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, no surprise. He's, he broke every single record last year, like for single game stuff for Ohio State in in the bowl game, and uh, and then of course Marvin Harrison had the crazy, like he had three touchdowns in the same same so game. Crazy. Like it's just, I mean, it was just an insane explosion of offense, and that's what they're going to do all season long. Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., of course, son of uh, Hall of Fame wide receiver Marvin Harrison, except he's a much bigger body guy than his dad. <laughs> like he's a like true big body X type wide receiver, um, he's going to explode this year and should be the wide receiver one in 2023. Uh, Ibuka is very explosive in and of himself and was actually rated higher as a recruit than Marvin Harrison Jr. So those are going to be the top three. And I think that's very clear to see. Uh, Julian Fleming, who was in his own right, like an incredible prospect recruit coming in, has just been buried and then buried and then buried some more. And is somehow <laughs> uh, like a time there now and hasn't really done much. In yeah. His like, yeah. And I think he's going to be the wide receiver for, you know, I was actually talking to West Bay about this situation earlier today. Um, and he thinks Fleming will probably play, you know, about a third of the snaps, get, get mixed in some. And then in blowout situations, uh, our favorite, me and Matt West Bay, and I know many others uh, of the freshman wide receivers for Ohio State, Kion Grays. Yeah. Uh, he's the guy that I think sticks. Like, he's the next Alave in terms of his body type, his, his, how, how he'll be deployed, where he'll probably win for Ohio State. Um, and he's going to be paired regardless of whether it's, it's not going to be with CJ Stroud after this year. But they have fantastic quarterback play beyond this year coming in. And so Grays is going to produce. He's going to be the guy that sticks after Smith and Jigba's gone. Uh, Fleming probably just finally gives up and leaves after this year. <laughs> like, come on, dude. I uh, just transfer somewhere where you can be an alpha. And so like next year, I think the pro- projected top three wide receivers are going to be Marvin Harrison Jr. Emeka Ibuka. That's hard to say. And Kion Gray's there. But after this year, like if they actually hold on to the recruiting class that they have right now in store for the 2023 cycle, 
They have Brandon Ennis, five-star. Uh, Noah Rogers, five-star. Carnell Tate has been rated as a five-star, just barely dropped out. Three top 50 overall players in the entire country coming in behind this already stackiest stack of, of a stack at wide receiver uh, that Ohio State already has. It's insane. So all the other freshmen that just came in this year, goodbye. You're never playing for Ohio State. You're going to have like two receptions, two targets or whatever in your career. Um, but you're not going to see the field. Yeah, you're going to be Julian Fleming. Uh, <laughs> Congratulations. Uh, if that, yeah. if that, there's nobody else in this entire class beyond Kion Gray's that is going to have a role because of how they fit now. Uh, and then when Ennis, Tate, and Rogers come in, if they all three do, they're better than anyone else they had this year. So yeah. they'll immediately usurp anyone else on the depth chart because those three are already elite level talent. Like we've known for, again, again, Ennis was one of those kids. Like he was starting for top tier, like flag football teams and high school teams as an eighth grader. Like <laughs> he's been, he's been like the number one or number two rated wide receiver in his class for three plus years already. And so it, what they're doing, bringing in these classes for wide receivers is just absurd. And yeah, it's, it's hard to even keep track of, all the top pedigree names. Yeah. Oh no, it's insane. Um, now let's uh, let's move over to their big rival, Michigan. Uh, we've got uh, Blake Corum, got Edwards. Corum, you know, he looked great with us on Haskins. Do you think we see kind of the same thing where we see both of them getting on the field, uh, where you know Blake Corum's getting a lot of touches, but then you know we saw Haskins just like pound a bunch of <laughs> touchdowns in uh what do you think yeah the, he had the, all the red zone work yeah. in the world what do you think the running back room looks like do you think for for fantasy purposes for college fantasy do you think both of these guys are you know plug and play guys you can you can start both michigan running backs or do you think it's going to be matchup dependent do you think we'll see one guy kind of break away from the other how does this play out in your mind quorum is the more more explosive player of the two but uh, Edwards is the, has the better overall skill set, and I think would get the red zone work nod over Blake Corum. And so I think we could see Edwards score a bunch of touchdowns, but he's actually a good receiver too. Corum be like that uh, explosive change of pace guy that still gets plenty of work, but Edwards, I think I would project to out-touch him barely. Like think of like last year's backfield situation with Texas A&M. Like Edwards being the Isaiah Spiller and Blake Corum being, being the, the Devin Achain where they're clearly different players, but they win and they win in different ways, but they're both good enough to be the starter. And right. I mean, you can start both. I think the, that could be a really fun situation where they both eclipse a thousand yards on the season and both win you a few weeks here and there, but are also super frustrating to roster a few weeks in between. So I, that's why they're not, neither of them are going super, super early. I think in, in just normal college fantasy, but uh, for, for campus to Canton, I think they're both going fairly early and Edwards, especially because uh, for 2024, like he could be a top three or four talent in that class. Uh, I think that's why he's going even higher. Uh, yeah. But I think they both could produce this year. In in our startup, Edwards went second round and, and uh, Quorum went oh, yeah. sixth round. Whew. Yep. Yeah. But they so. both are both really good players, like both top 100 players on offense in the country. Yeah. I ended up with Quorum, so I'm, I'm pretty happy about him in the sixth round. I think he could be pretty fun. Um, let's, uh, let's stay in Michigan, Michigan state running backs. Uh, I just want to talk about this one because we just saw Kenny Walker just put up an unbelievable season. Um, and now we have two transfers coming in. We have Jalen Berger from Wisconsin. We've got Jared Broussard 
from CU, who a lot of people don't watch CU. I live in Colorado, so I've seen a lot of Jarek Broussard, and he was their offense. Um, not so much last yeah. year. They didn't have an offense last year, but the year before, they, he was really, really Nothing good. they did last year constituted as offense. Like, there was nothing no. there. Um, I don't think they scored points, did uh, they? Defense, you know, they <laughs> scored. I, I went to their season opener against uh, North Col- Northern Colorado, who are up in Greeley. Um, and uh, and they scored some points that game, but even that was a struggle. But Jared Broussard is fast. Oh, man. Um, he's electric. You and I both like J- Jalen Berger going into last year. We thought that he might be able to be um, the running back. Um, and then, of course, uh, a 17-year-old stole his lunch money, as Wispe would say. So um, what do you think happens <laughs> in Michigan State, and does it even matter? I, I, th- I don't think it looks like last year. I think we'd love to see it look like last year, but neither of these guys are the talent that Kenneth Walker was, um, is. Uh, and they both just do way different things. Like, like again, a similar situation to Michigan. Like, Broussard could be that explosive, change-of-pace guy, but I, I'm not going to ask Broussard to, to carry um, as many times as, you know, college, you know, Colorado just had to last year. Right. Um, and, and Jalen Berger is a guy who's a, a little bit bigger body, um, has, I think, better balance for his size. Like Broussard is explosive and crazy quick, but oh, I think it should be a mix. And I think to your I point, think they're both going to have 800 plus, 900 plus yards from scrimmage. Berger has more touchdowns, um, you know, and Broussard has more catches. Even even with CU, uh, Broussard wasn't their goal line back. They, they brought in, um, right. I forget his yeah. name. Um, no one. Fontenot? Yes. Uh, Alex Fontenot. Yeah, they that's a real person. By they the way. brought him in on the short yardage <laughs> stuff. So, um, I like that recall for you. That was that was pretty good. Um, let's go to dude. I have the the most random third string running backs in my brain. I wish I could just sub that space in for something. Like that. <laughs> that is relevant. What are you talking about? Um, it just it just you just answered a question before I could even finish it. So it was perfect. Uh, I think one of the most exciting <laughs> offenses for me last year, I, I just love watching them play, um, was, was Ole Miss. And uh, we've got Jackson Dart there now. And uh, a little bit of a change um, in in their skill positions as we've seen people move on. What do you think uh, happens with their wide receiver room? I think we can both expect to see um, quite a bit of offense from this team. Uh, they bring in uh, like Malik Heath. Um, I've been a big fan of a four-star recruit, Braylon Brown, who's a freshman last year. Didn't see a whole lot of action, um, but was a pretty highly recruited guy. Uh, how do you think this this plays out? Um, yeah, for, for Ole Miss. You know, I, this spring, it really looked like the entire offense was going to be the transfer tight end, Michael Trigg, and uh, – transfer from Louisville wide receiver Jordan Watkins like that spring game Trigg had like three touchdowns and an extra point that he scored like he was it was everything to to Trigg and it was everything to Jordan Watkins like he had like 11 or 12 targets himself like it was crazy um you know Jonathan Mingo still returns um, Malik Heath transfers over from Mississippi State he had elite level kind of uh, athleticism but uh, never made sense as a, as, as a uh, schematic fit from Mississippi State so glad to see him in a, in a, a real offense I guess but then Jalen Robinson comes in as a transfer from UCF late in the process and throws a wrench in everything right. to where we thought we understood it was going to be Michael Trigg and Jordan Watkins but now Watkins might not even start because Jalen Robinson is the same exact player so 
uh, we could see Jalen Robinson transfer from UCF, who actually blew up for them two years ago prior to missing time last year with an injury. We could see him be the next Elijah Moore for this offense, mixed in with a crazy monstrous alpha of a tight end in Michael Trigg. Um, so I don't know. I, we I feel like we almost always think we know who's going to get the targets here recently for Ole Miss, and we don't. Uh, I think we knew Elijah Moore was going to be that guy. We, we, we could trust A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf when they were there. Uh, but outside of those three obvious ones, like I feel like it's just hard to predict who's going to be the guy. Like last year was like Dontario Drummond, like and he undrafted free agent kind of talent. Yep. Um, and maybe maybe it is a bunch of undrafted free agent guys. But I think Jalen Robinson, we we probably expect him to get drafted at some point, or we did when he was with UCF. Jordan Watkins, I was intrigued by him even at Louisville. But uh, yeah, it's tough because I feel like they have to find a way to to keep Robinson. Mingo and Watkins on the field somehow, even though they play a lot of the same kind of game with Trigg, who's just this monster over the middle. So I, I'm not betting on any of the wide receivers at this point, although I know one of them is going to explode. So it's frustrating because I did draft Watkins a couple times late, late, and um, I have some old shares of Jalen Robinson. So I don't know who to root for. (laughs) I have Trigg in a couple spots before he was a big deal, but man, like he's super expensive now. So it just does not seem like a super fun offense to invest in. Uh, but at the same time, somebody's going to go off. So you might want to get some sprinkles and shares in there. So I'm just paying attention to this mess because I have no idea out of this, out of this mix anymore, outside of the fact that Trigg's going to score 15 touchdowns. And and uh, I think and we, we mentioned like the running backs already earlier too, with uh, Zach Evans and Ulysses Bentley. I think they're going to have a very fun offense. And I think it's one of these things. Yes. Um, people forget that uh, Lane likes to run the football. You know, um, uh, he does. A, a lot of people, so. a lot of people think it's just all throwing. It's a similar uh, misconception mm-hmm. as Oregon gets, um, but it's 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 running the ball and it's it's creating advantages in space with your running backs as well. So I think it'll be fun to watch, uh, but it might be. Oh, it's gonna be a fun offense. But it might be frustrating yeah. uh, to invest in one of these receivers. <laughs> oh yes. I think that might be the case. So again, uh, oh, that's okay. I'm gonna get well, hey, lightning break. round. How about that? Yeah, let's do a lightning round. Uh, we're gonna do some breakout players. Do you want to do like uh, a breakout candidate? Each one of us from each, for each position or yeah, a couple quarterback from each position. Yep, you just go one breakout candidate. No, no, let's just let's do two. Two breakout candidates, quarterback. Go. Okay, so my first is Bo Nix, and I'm not joking. I think he is going to fit in very well with his Oregon <laughs> offense. Not joking. I, I glad you have to frame it that way. Yeah, and and, and that's why I think it's a breakout candidate because I think um, he's going to have the opportunity to put up a lot of points um, because Oregon does still like to play up tempo. Now we'll see what Dan Lanning does. You know, it's going to be a different scheme, but they brought Bo Nix over for a reason. Um, I think it's going to be a really, I think it's going to be his best season. I think it's going to be a highly efficient season. I don't think we're going to see huge gaudy passing numbers or passing touchdowns, but I think he'll get it done with his legs. And I think it's going to be very efficient. Um, I think Oregon's going to win a lot of games with him. And I think he's going to have a really, really solid year. Um, again, I'm not going with the obvious ones, uh, like Bryce, Bryce Young. He broke out last year. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. Okay, so Bo Nix, yeah, he, he hasn't had like a, a, a huge, explosive, consistent season. Uh, really, he's had crazy high moments, but yeah. How I many people do you uh, think Oregon? just yelled at me for saying that? 
maybe just stop listening to the podcast entirely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But for me, it's, it's uh, to the surprise of absolutely no one who knows me at all. Uh, Tyler Buckner, quarterback, Notre Dame, uh, had some spot work last year, uh, came in and made some really impressive throws in the Virginia Tech game. Uh, made some really boneheaded moves just because he wasn't really ready to be a starter. He missed his, his entire final year of high school football uh, because of COVID. Uh, missed uh, not the year before, but the year prior to an ACL. Like he had one crazy blow up season where he threw for more than 50 touchdowns, ran for over 1,600 yards, was a five star talent by everyone. And when he missed time, dropped out of that five star status, has every bit of the talent to be a five star quarterback and, and play like one. For Notre Dame, um, his weapons scare me a little bit, but his mobility is super intriguing. He could be uh, somebody that rushes 800 plus yards this year and has, you know, close to 30 or over 30 passing touchdowns uh, on a really good team. So that would immediately insert him into draft discussions and be very good for your college fantasy production if you play in those leagues right now. So Tyler Buckner, I think, still projects to be a first round quarterback quarterback talent for 2024. Uh, I think my next quarterback, I'm going to go. Um, oh, it's hard, man. There's so many, um, <laughs> there's so many fun guys to choose from. Um, I'll, there's a couple easy ones, a couple easy ones. Yeah. There's some, there, I, I, I didn't want to go with an, easy you don't want to do the easy ones. No, I want to go with, <laughs> with something a little deeper. Um, I think Phil Jerkovic is being severely underrated. Um, I think he's going to have oh, Boston abs- College. Yeah, okay. I think he's going to have a really great year. We saw uh, Flowers ended up staying there with him. Um, could have could have bolted, mm-hmm. could have taken that NIL transfer money, but didn't. I think they're going to have a really solid year. Um, I think he projects to be a pretty decent pro as well. So um, I like Jerkovic. Okay, some deeper cuts. Former Notre Dame, back to back former Notre Dame quarterbacks. Jerkovic was supposed to be a big deal for Notre Dame before he transferred out. Big body guy, huge dude with a big arm. So that's that's a sexy uh, deep cut, but uh, I like it. I like it. And the, the obvious obvious name is Quinn Ewers, right. uh, but we don't even need to talk about him. He's he he should be the starting quarterback for Texas. But mine is Cameron Ward, quarterback transfer from Incarnate Word. <laughs> Washington State now uh, comes over. Of course, Eric Morris is now the kind of air raid family offense, offensive coordinator. Um, comes over, you know, from Incarnate Word as well. Um, you know, the, and by the way, Incarnate Word tossed the rock like 46, 47 times per game last season with Cameron Ward at the helm. And uh, so they're going to, you know, similar to, you know, the, the FCS to FBS situation last year. With uh, Bailey Zappi and his coordinator jumping from Houston Baptist to uh, Western Kentucky and absolutely exploding, we could see something similar from a raw production standpoint out of Cameron Ward, thanks to the continuity with his offensive coordinator. And he actually even brought a, a really short, shifty guy over from him, uh, from his offense, named Robert Farrell. That's a super deep cut, like round 50 type flyer. Uh, not very athletic, but uh, he could be a favorite target that they get on the field and actually produces um but uh they, they have some fun wide receivers there and they're, they're going to put up some silly numbers like stribbling design stribbling uh i mean that dude uh he could do some work but cameron ward incarnate word to washington state that's my really fun breakout quarterback and uh i've missed on him by like one pick and two pick and two picks that's and a couple drafts this year and it's it's yeah 
really frustrating. Um, yeah, I'd like to tell you some of my most overrated quarterbacks, but we don't have time for that. Um, let's jump into running back. Why don't you give me a, a running back real quick here, too? Or give me two, but start with one. Oh, man. There's a lot. To let's go from. with Tay, Tay McWilliams uh, over at Baylor. Uh, he was somebody, and he's 2023 eligible, but uh, he I thought he was actually perhaps going to bust out last year. But Abram, Abram Smith's body was just better suited to be a feature last year for them, and they went with a much older, ready uh, running back last year. But McWilliams has been the guy crushing it all offseason long. Last year, it was Abram Smith and Tristan Ebner for them. This year, I think it's going to be Tay McWilliams and Squirrel Williams uh, uh, to be like a one-two punch with uh, McWilliams getting the bulk of the work and this offseason he's been like it, I know it, it is what it is but like the, the team the coaching staff is all about him excited like to pump him up about like being the, the, the guy with the biggest gains and like just added weight and muscle and he's just dominating people on the field and even in the spring game was just the running game for Baylor looked like it was the answer so Tay McWilliams my biggest breakout candidate and I have a lot of him uh, this off season and already had a couple of chairs from a couple of years back too. That's great. <laughs> I always love it when you, you add that in at the end, like, yes. And I've had him since he was a freshman in high school. Um, I, well, a freshman, <laughs> a freshman in college with him, but uh, yeah, it's whatever. Um, all right. So I'm going to go with um, a duck because I'm allowed to, I'm going with uh, Byron Coldwell. <laughs> A card well. Card well. Um, we yeah. see uh, Travis Dye has um, moved on. Seven McGee has switched over to wide receiver. Um, it's going to be him. It's going to be uh, dollars, and it's going to be uh, like you you mentioned some of the transfers that they have over. Um, but I think Cardwell really eats. Um, he averaged almost seven yards a carry last year once he was able to get going, once they, they trusted him with the ball. As, as uh, he get, got more playing time, he got stronger and stronger and stronger. So excited to see what he can do. Now, he only had um, four receptions, uh, so he didn't do much in the passing game. But I think um, Dan Lanning is going to want to run the ball, establish the line of scrimmage, Georgia-style football, defensive coach. I don't think he's going to want to trust Bo Nix's arm all that much. Like I said, I think we'll see the efficiency from Bo Nix. Um, but I think Cardwell is going to have an absolute monster year. I think, um, I think a, a, a thousand yards, 14 touchdowns is, uh, is kind of expected. Anything less than that, I'll be disappointed. Yeah, I, I like that too. I think he's going to take off uh, and, and explode. And he, he's gotten a little bit pricier here recently mm-hmm. um, in the past couple of months, but that's okay because I think he's he's going to see plenty of work himself. Uh, Iowa State is not going to be very good at football this year. Uh, I know a couple of my buddies uh, who root for them think that they are going to find a way, but I don't think they are, but they're still going to find a way to give us a really productive running back. And that's going to be Jarrell Brock coming in. He actually came in that same class um, – with uh, Brees Hall uh, and that season where they were both supposed to take the reins or one of them was supposed to take the reins. There was real conversation about whether that was going to be Jarrell Brock or whether that was going to be Brees Hall. Jarrell Brock had crazy uh, athletic testing numbers, even coming into college and uh, looks to be, he actually stuck around in like the transfer era. He actually stuck around with the program yeah. and did virtually nothing because Brees Hall was this, this feature monster talent. Uh, but Brock was a four-star talent in his own right when he came into college and, uh, they have already 
announced and for quite some time announced that he this is his time to shine. So we know with 100% certainty that uh, Jarrell Brock is going to be the lead back when Iowa State opens the season. Um, and in the last game where Hall did sit out, Brock had 17 touches. Uh, so we could see 17, 18, 19 touches be his floor all season long and actually see him drafted. Um, I'm not super confident that he's going to get drafted early because of his very limited resume, but he could he could definitely actually work his way into some draft capital and uh, be very useful for college fantasy purposes for campus to Canton formats and things like that. So Jarrell Brock would be my my big breakout. But you got you got one more. Yeah, I don't know. You can tell me if this counts or not. I feel like I'm going to get some pushback from you because obviously you know him. But uh, Sean Tucker technically broke out last year with almost 1,500 rushing yards, but no one knows who he is because he <laughs> plays because he plays uh, for Syracuse. Um, but man, yeah. this dude is special, and I think because of what he did last year, building on it this year, he's going to become a household name. And I think Sean Tucker's the real deal. Yeah, I think a lot of people are coming around on him. He's even rising above uh, like Tank Bigsby for some people. So I can't use um, him. Can I'm not I? there. Eh, I, it's okay though. I, I I'm not really there yet. I think a lot of people who don't uh, live and breathe uh, college football all the time would not know Tucker very well at all. Um, but a few other names I just want to throw out: Trey Benson, Florida State, should explode. Um, transfer from Oregon. Yep. Um, and I think he's going to be the lead back for Florida State. And have a couple. Chris of Tyree. Uh, yep. Chris Tyree, Notre Dame, a little undersized, but Logan Diggs had shoulder surgery this spring. Um, and of course, Kyron Williams is gone. They have Audric Estemi or whatever his name is, the freshman from last year. He's a bit bigger body, but it, it's. Uh, even the 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 Jadarian Price kid who came in and was uh, showing off in spring, he's he's out for the year. So it's Chris Tyree or bust really for that offense mm-hmm. for Notre Dame on the ground. So he should explode. And then one more super deep cut, Brandon Campbell, USC running back uh, last year transfers to Houston because Alton McCaskill, uh, McCaskill rather uh, misses the year is out for the season for Houston has a huge blow up year as a true freshman last year. Uh, and, and we think he's going to be a huge deal again, but he misses the entire year this year. So Brandon Campbell enters into the picture and get this. Houston actually offered Brandon Campbell before they offered LJ Johnson back in the day when they were in, in amidst, uh, you know, deep recruiting season. Brandon Campbell was a, a, a Texas kid who just decided to go West, but he's basically just coming home to be the feature back for Houston this year. Yeah, that's cool. So I, I like think that. he could absolutely blow up. I like that a lot. How about one wide receiver for you? One wide receiver. Breakout. Uh, he broke out last year, but no one's talking about him. It's Dontavian Wicks for Virginia. I wanted to say Brennan Armstrong for my quarterback, too. I love this Virginia team. I know they lost their offensive coordinator, uh, which is a shame because it was a really fun offense to watch. But Wicks put up, uh, he had nine touchdowns and 1,200 yards receiving. I think he builds on that again. Um, already broke out, but no one knows that he broke out because he plays at Virginia. But the dude is special, uh, who's only a three-star recruit, which is why he ended up <laughs> at Virginia uh, coming out of Louisiana. But um, I really like his game. I think he's really, really, um, really strong receiver. And uh, I think he elevates the play of those around him too. Virginia's a low-key fun offense. <laughs> but um, it really is. Yeah. I mean, it's going to look different this year yeah. just because of, you know, who they've brought in and whatever, but still the talent, um, the offensive talent is, I mean, I think they lost like almost all their offensive line. Um, yeah, but 
if Brennan Armstrong can stand up long enough to get the ball downfield, I think um, I think it would be really fun. Yeah, for me, uh, I already kind of mentioned Dizon Stribling for Wazoo, so I won't mention him. Like Tavian Robinson, maybe, I guess, for Kentucky replacing Wandale, but – you know, some people like Kanata Mumfield, Akron to to Pitt, but that's probably too easy. Uh, I'm going to go Jalen McMillan, uh, Washington wide receiver. Uh, Pac-12 wide receivers are absolutely gross for the most part. Yeah. Uh, but I've already mentioned a couple of them. But Jalen McMillan was a guy who was a top 100 recruit coming into college and uh, reminded me very much so of Amon Ross St. Brown in both play style, body type, everything like that has actually been good when he's played, but Washington has been so gross yep. on offense overall that they just have wasted his talent, just embarrassingly so. And I think he and Rome, his his buddy, should go off this year because Kalen DeBoer comes over yep. from Fresno State. Jimmy Lake is um, no more. <laughs> that, yeah, Jimmy Lake's yeah, gone, gone. Uh, Kalen DeBoer comes over, and that offense, while the quarterback situation is still not perfect, Michael Penix transfers from Indiana. Oh, it's healthy. It's probably their Hewitt. best option, maybe. Come on. Just yeah, like, Sam Heward, just like five star. It. Jordan Morris. Dylan Morris last year. Or Dylan it Morris, was yeah. Gross. Yeah, but still, like, somebody's going to figure it out. Whoever the quarterback is that figures it out with Kalen DeBoer um, and, and the offense that he probably brings in that's going to be much higher octane, not just this boring, like, whatever that they tried to do in the past few years. It's just not explosive whatsoever, ranking to the bottom in every efficient category. Um, so, Lots more targets incoming for Jalen McMillan, a uh, high pedigree upside who can upside guy who can separate better than I think anybody on the team, and uh, could be a top three wide receiver in the Pac-12 after this season's all all said and done. So Jalen McMillan, breakout guy for Washington with a new offense, new system, possibly well, most likely new quarterback. That's not terrible. Yeah, I like that. I like I like that. Uh that pick a lot. I do think um, we kind of have to throw out all of our expectations for Washington uh, with Jimmy Lake on, I will say it's a shame. Jimmy Lake was one of the best defensive coordinators, um, but that just goes to show have an offense. Not every (laughs) defensive coordinator makes a good head coach. (laughs) No, yeah, it's just, yeah. Amen. Amen. But, uh, I think that's probably all the time we have for the show, right? Yeah. I mean, we're at a, an hour 25 at the moment. So yeah. 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 That's okay. Hey, look, it's been been two months. We took a break. And honestly, it's yeah, it's been way too long. We'll get into some NFL stuff because training camps just started up here soon. Yeah. But want to dive into college because that's where we've been. He, well, you, you and I have both been just living in terms of drafts this summer. Yeah. But yeah, this is fun. It's good, man. Lots of lots of stuff that we get into. Once we get more information, I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk through as as camps start to reconvene. Yeah, I think my favorite part of the podcast is when we had to pause for your Charlie horse. Um, the athletic, the athletic, <laughs> uh, oh my gosh, in, the injuries that we've sustained this year, my friend, is now is no joking. I've had two surgeries this year. I'm broken, man. I'm broken. I'm busted. I'm old. <laughs> yeah, man. I've I've been I go to physical therapy twice a week for my skiing injury. So and that was five months ago. <laughs> no. So it's oh six yeah, months rough. ago. It's awful. But hey, this was fun, man. I can't wait to do it again. Um, I think we're gonna be going weekly now, so that's cool. And uh, who knows, maybe a couple of uh, extra short ones in the middle there too would be fun too. So thank you all so much for listening. Uh, It's been really good. Uh, Travis, tell everyone where they can find you. Tell us what you're doing. Well, they can find me again at FF underscore Travis M on Twitter. Going to be doing uh, some some college coverage again for Solid Verbal. Uh, The the podcast guys who are relaunching their site in a big way. They did it last year. 
uh, but uh, got a got a brand new site about to go live like next week. Nice. And then Rotoviz work going to be doing more of that. Again, I took a some hiatus time uh, for that, but going to be you know covering all things college NFL prospects uh, again here soon. That's awesome. You can find me at Stefan Leco. I am going to be. Uh, doing the podcast here with Travis and of course Matt and I will be starting up our betting um, show very soon we're going to be giving you some of our favorite uh, futures bets for the upcoming season uh, looking at some of the the total numbers for wins and losses for teams that we like and don't like a couple conference champions that I think you should uh, be betting on because the value is good we'll get into that pretty soon here so be looking for that on the road of his main feed or you can follow our other feed too but uh, we'll be back with you guys next week thank you so much for listening uh, do drop that rating and review and we will talk to you guys soon everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why what do we know about magnesium Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.